everyone welcome back to the pod in the pendulum the show that covers every single horror movie franchise and theme one movie in one episode at a time i am your host mike snooney and joined once again by my fantastic co-host Lindsay travis Lindsay, how are we tonight i'm good i'm ready to rock you are here how is South by going? Has that started? Are you able to actually watch? <laughs> it has. Well, so it hasn't technically started. I've watched a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm currently dead center in a crisis of, do I give this movie a terrible review or do I just move on with my life and ignore mm. it? Spicy. Do you have to like review everything as part of the agreement? I don't, but... Um, uh, I don't have access to a ton because of okay. the geo locking. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of, um, I don't want to be too selective because yeah. I don't have that opportunity. But no one wants to have to write a slaughtering. Right. Did the movie make you angry or is it just a bad movie? Yeah. Oh, I'm like mad. I've been like doing about it for three days. <laughs> then I would write that. Get that out. I know. Get that I know. Out. So we'll see. I did. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yes. Yes, maybe listeners will have the inside. Would it be info. your? It would it be like your Mandy? But it would be like to you what Mandy is to me. Is it that bad? Um, no, it's not so much that it was like I know it's not so much that it was like mm-hmm. bad. It's that it like it's so bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to. Uh, as I'm like, I won't talk about it. Here I am. You name names. Uh, I will not name names, but it's like my Does it rhyme is with very Paul much Mart? like. Does it rhyme with? Paul Blart, Mall Cop? <laughs> no. First of all, no. the movie's great. Um, it is great. Yeah. The review has like a lot of like, oh, this is a confused, offensive mm-hmm. piece of trash. So I have to like just decide, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for my South by coverage. All right. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we are here tonight. I have to go through my notes now to be like, what are we talking what about? What are we talking tonight? about? Sorry, do you so, in the first okay. second? What a surprise! Um, that's no, please come on. You are the glue that keeps this show together. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> we're good. This week, this week, we are here to talk about the 2016 coming of age horror movie *Raw*, directed by Julia DeCarnot, starring Garnas. Wow. Listeners, you are going to love this. You're going to get some seventh grade right. French right here. Garnars Marlene, Ella Rumpf, and Laurent Lucas. You know I'm what? Thinking I got it. Great. Je suis Anana. I am a pineapple. Um, but to do this, we have fantastic guests tonight. My cat is sitting on my shoulder right now. He just wants to cuddle. My, like, and that's guest number one. Sammy, Samwise Wigglebottom is guest number one. So we have first, we have a returning guest. She is the co-founder of Geeks Who Eat, a culinary blog where our love of fine food and pop culture meet. And she's recently started a new podcast called Final Girls Feast, where she and her co-host Carrie discuss food and horror. 
She first guested us with us way back when, when we covered the Blair Witch. Um, what was the other one that we guested on? Alien Covenant. Don't you know? I'm. This is the first time I've been on here where I get to talk about a movie that isn't like hated by 90% of the internet. Oh my goodness. Doesn't it feel good? No, I actually like defending my favorites and that are like so underappreciated. Mm -hmm. Well, please <laughs> welcome back Sarah Ann Stubbs. Sarah, and can I say new homeowner? Is that okay? You can totally like, say that. I'm pretty stoked about like, it. Like she cut, she told, she was like there to close her in the home. And she said, listen, mortgage people, I know that this is important, but I have a podcast to guest on. So let's speed things up a little bit. Or I actually, actually, I feel a little bit guilty because I did tell my realtor that I was like, look, I'm, I'm, I appreciate oh I'm like, so we signed the papers this morning. So that was mm -hmm. fun. Like I didn't rush through that, but I was like, I appreciate that you're here to give me my keys, but we got to go. I am on a, I got a podcast Excellent. tonight. Podcast. We, we, Lord. I can't do this right now. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Oh, Sarah, welcome back. It is always a Thank pleasure. Thank you to have you on. And we have a first time guest with us tonight. Uh, she is the co-host of the podcast Horror in Session and her writing currently appears on Bloody Disgusting. Welcome to the show, Reina Cervantes. Hi, hello. Thank hello. you for having me. Thank you for jumping in. Thank you so much. And it's been a long time, I think, since we've had like dual guests on a show. So it's going to be fun and, you know, hopefully, Sarah, I hope that like the other, you know, I do hope they're listening because we want downloads, but like, I think this might be the first episode where you don't feel like someone's talking over you the whole episode. Cause I felt like that happened a bunch, especially with the Blair Witch and I kept trying to kick things over. So hopefully. I feel like, I feel like if I really want to say something, I'm, I'm obnoxious mm -hmm. enough. I'll, okay. I'll bully my way in. I'm not, Excellent. no one silences me. Excellent. Can, can, can I just establish that Sarah is actually my cannibal correspondent on Twitter? So once I heard yes. she was guesting, I was like, this Excellent. is perfect. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, Raina, Raina DM'd me and was like, oh my gosh, we're on an episode together. Mm -hmm. I was so excited. Well, I'm, I'm glad you reminded me, Sarah, because I know that like I originally threw this series out there, I think in the summer um and i just i know a bunch of people responded i'm like oh my god i know i'm forgetting people that wanted to jump on for some so i'm glad you reached back out i'm like yeah absolutely you're on of course i didn't forget <laughs> i remember didn't forget totally did not, no, did not, not forget <laughs> um okay so before we jump into the movie itself let's talk really briefly about you know for the guests like your first time seeing this movie and your first experience with it so um all right sam i am going to officially move you buddy you're a good boy yeah. you're going to meet me there in a minute. on this show yes but reynas when was your first time seeing this movie and what sort of impact or initial impression did you have about it? Ooh. uh so the first time i saw this movie it was back in 2016 the year mm -hmm. of release it was not playing anywhere near me so I had to drive about three hours to Los Angeles. Wow. I saw it at the Arclight Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I hadn't really come out or transitioned yet. Mm -hmm. So this movie kind of made a pretty deep impact on me, mm -hmm. if I'm being completely honest. Um, 
I remember just walking out, just going like, oh, I get that was a movie about cannibals, but I really need to think about my life choices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah. What was it then about just seeing the trailers for it or reading the reviews coming out mm-hmm. on it that made you say, like, I'll drive like an hour and maybe like an hour and 20 minutes for a movie. Like, I'll go a pretty long way. Um, like I would go the length of one of our episodes up to even uh, to like go to see a movie. Um, I'm so spoiled because they're like the farther theater is like a 10, 15 minute walk. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I feel like a dick right now. Okay, finish your story. Sorry. Sorry. What was it that made you say like, this is something I need to drive, you know, like compelled to drive three hours to? Because that is super dedication so i have always kind of had this weird i'm not going to say obsession but i've had this weird like fascination with french extremity Mm -hmm. and you know it's popular to think oh it's like almost strictly a dude's only club Mm -hmm. so the fact that there was one coming out that was like not only a coming of age story but also written and directed by a woman Mm -hmm. it was an easy easy sell for me yeah like i i it's dumb but i literally told my friend we were trying to get our own like movie off the ground at the time and he Mm -hmm. was my co-writer and it was like we have to go see this Mm -hmm. and uh it ended up being worth it absolutely and do you would you feel comfortable like talking a little bit about how you mentioned how this had like a bit of an impact in terms of like I don't want to say deciding to transition, but maybe like realizing like, Hey, this is something I need to explore. Like, was there anything in particular that like jumped out that said, like, this is helping me kind of understand who I am. It was kind of just the whole aspect of like, first off disclosure, this is exactly why I agreed to come on and talk Mm -hmm. about this movie. So I am an open book this episode. Okay. Um, Please don't be afraid to ask me anything regarding Mm -hmm. that. Um, It was more of like, when Justine gets that taste mm-hmm. and it's like, I know like by society standards, this is wrong or not really accepted, but mm-hmm. I need more of it. It was, it was something that I was internally struggling with at the time with myself mm-hmm. going like, do I, do I conform myself to society's norms or do I just, or do I just live free? Mm-hmm. And or, that really stuck with me. Really? Mm-hmm. I love That's that awesome. reading, like, just like that reading of it, of it being, you know, the cannibalism is like a cultural taboo that it was getting a taste of. And I love that. I just, yeah. Interesting. Excellent. Like Definitely looking forward. I, I think there's going to be more that we dive into when we get into the meat of the movie too. So I'm definitely the looking meat. forward to that. The meat I know. of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> So. Is that the is that the first cannibalism pun that we're gonna oh have tonight? God. Or Look, when on our, our other show when we did we need to talk about Kevin, we literally every transition was like we need to talk about and like we made like eighty jokes about that. So <laughs> that's funny. That's a good yeah. bit, honestly. Oh my goodness. It was good the first oh. thirty times, and then by the mm. end we're like we hate each other. We're and like, we're yeah, sorry. This, this is the worst podcast. <laughs> we we are the worst. So um how about for you, Sarah? So initially I heard about the movie 
um, when it was released because one of the PR companies wanted us to do like a promotion for it on Geeks Who Eat. And I was like, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. We were we were just like trying to like work with Disney. Like we were trying to build that brand up. And I was like, we can't do a recipe about cannibalism. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's awful. Like, you know, later on we, you know, have done other tongue in cheek recipes that now I'm like, I have a brand. I don't care. Mm-hmm. If Disney doesn't want to work with me, whatever. You know, I'm already I'm already broke because of my website. Disney's paycheck isn't going to do enough anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, we were very much like, no, 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 no. And so it took me a while to see the movie. Like, I have only really recently started really diving into cannibalism horror. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really my thing for a long time. Like, I just, it, it just wasn't that I had anything against it. It just wasn't what I was into. And so last year, I think it was last year, I did a women in horror watch list and I wanted it to be all movies I hadn't seen. Mm -hmm. And so raw was one of them. And that was when I finally watched it. And I was like, Oh wow, not too shabby. Mm -hmm. I kind of dig this art house cannibalism thing that we've got going on you know, in the 2000s. And so, you know, it it really started for me the, like, the hunt for cannibalism movies that weren't, you know, 1970s jungle cannibalism or, like, the goofy cannibalism of, like, the 80s and 90s, like, you know, Motel Hell and whatnot. Yeah. Like, parents with, like, Randy Quaid and... Mm-hmm. And you have, like, Auntie Lee's Meat Pies, which, mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it, is such a damn good movie. Um, but like this, like this really like kind of jump started that love of like artsy cannibalism horror for me. There's one that just came out not too long ago. It's still on the festival circuit out of Spain called Hunger. Mm-hmm. And it's about a dancer. And he's a cannibal. He's like a ballet. He's like a modern ballet dancer. And he's like trying to come to terms with his cannibalism. And then you have like cadaver on Netflix, which is social commentary, cannibalism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so, like, I just really, like, enjoy this genre. So, you know, and then getting to revisit Raw today kind of cemented that in for me. How do you find it pairs with what you do with Geeks Who Eat now? Like, now that you're, like, you're more established as a brand and can basically say, like, I can do whatever I want with it at this point. Um how do you kind of like scratch that itch when it comes to like, what would you pair this? What would you pair this movie with either with like a cocktail wise or like some sort of like side dish? Honestly, if I was going to do a recipe for it now, I'd be really kind of an asshole and I'd do something like beef tartare. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, I'm just, I'm that person. Like, you know, now that I just don't care, I'd be like, let's do some like, you know, beef crudo or like mm-hmm. beef, you know, Beef tartare, like yeah, I'm I'm just gonna no go finger with that. sandwiches. I've done so many tea sandwiches on my site that that's not even funny to me anymore. Mm-hmm. Like Old maybe, hat. and I and I feel like doing like I feel like this movie deserves more than like something mm-hmm. decorative. Like you could totally do like you know like cocktail weenies with like fingernails cut out, and mm-hmm. it would look. We've done that for like you know photos, staged photos for party photos. But I just feel like this is such like an upscale movie that I would want the elegance of like the beef tartare or something, you know, beef carpaccio, something like that. 
And I guess I'm going to throw this out to everybody. Oh, Rainer, I'll start with you. Um, you had mentioned like French horror, like tickles, like a certain itch for you. Like you're like, had been enjoyed it for a long time, had kind of dived deep into it. What do you find like really appealing about like this particular like subgenre of horror? Well, if I'm being completely honest, I got into it as an edgy teenage boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like the more grotesque, the better. Mm-hmm. Like I need the stuff that the American screens can't see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Much for Americans audiences. Yeah. It's like, oh, what's this? Frontiers? It made people like gag and pass out. And then obviously the works of Gaspar Noe was like irreversible and all that. Mm-hmm. Um and I just kind of stuck around with the genre to the point that I was like, yo, these movies have something to say, honestly. Like it was yeah. like like a revelation going off in my mind. And to me, I feel that their extremity is a metaphor for real topics that maybe we don't want to tackle head on mm-hmm. in our day-to-day life. Like Raw, for example, is like straight up, tackling like finding your sexuality it's like for the longest time i didn't want to deal with that no so it Mm -hmm. in a way that was it was almost a tool for me to confront those feelings in myself about that Mm -hmm. so so i feel weird whenever people are so quick to write off like french extremity as Mm -hmm. like oh it's just like shock value it's like no there's there's more there if you want it yeah it's and I think Al- uh, Alexandra West does this really well in her book, uh, detailing the new wave of French extremity, which I would recommend any of our listeners kind of pick up and check out. It's available on Kindle and paperback. Um, but she dives like so well into not just like contemporary French horror and its place in modern politics or what would then be modern politics for the time they were out, but also like really detailing like the social and political history of France, which is more prone to um, violent upheavals in their politics. Uh, And they would have like much more violent, where in the United States, we at least have the idea of, you know, um, peaceful protesting, um, although that's always follow like in France, like it's much more prone to becoming like very violent very quickly throughout points of their history and how all of that led um to this movement so it's a really great read and it's something i would definitely recommend all of our listeners check out it's been an invaluable resource just kind of prepping for these shows so um that's my plug for alexandra west <laughs> yeah, who's much more well queens. much more well known and bigger than us so i'm gonna say miss west kick it down a little bit you know <laughs> give us a shout so um Lindsay, how about for you because i know like heading into this movie uh i think we had talked a little bit off air like you were like eh, you know i'd seen it but and what, what sort of impact did it have if any or is it just kind of like one of those there no it so it was definitely um it's funny, like what we were just saying, it was kind of sold to me as like so gross that people were vomiting and passing mm-hmm. out in the theater because it played at uh, Tiff Midnight Madness, which I've mentioned on this podcast mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and I actually couldn't go. Those one of the screenings I missed. Um, and someone did pass out during the movie and an ambulance came. So it was like all the yeah. all the rage. But like they passed out for like a completely unrelated reason. And it's, one of, <laughs> it's like an urban legend. But it did happen like an ambulance attended. But it was like... Mm-hmm 
someone was sick like or they were drunk everyone gets super drunk for those screenings and mm -hmm. i think the rumor is that they were drunk but i don't know anyway whatever <laughs> so i missed that screening and then i ended up renting it with a friend but like we hadn't seen each other in a while so we talked the whole time and it wasn't very conducive to watching like a subtitled movie in french so yeah. we like didn't really pay great attention and so even though i've like seen it i feel like i hadn't actually seen it so i did finally just watch it um and yeah it's a really great movie it's like very mm -hmm. well crafted very well written very well shot um very well acted it's like beautiful and great it's like as far as like did i love it like it was fine but i have nothing bad to say about it i think it yep. was incredible and like very very great movie but i'm like yeah it's okay <laughs> i'm looking forward to the day where you do have bad things to say about a movie we cover you're like oh. today i'm gonna go all in on this movie and let me tell you <laughs> Funny, so um, I was like, oh man, do I just like hate French extremity for, no, I don't hate French extremity, mm -hmm. but I was like, am I just like not into it for like some unfair reason? And then um, this weekend I was watching the um, uh, the Collector and the Collection, mm -hmm. which are like very gory, torture, porny movies. Um, and my copy of the Collection, I didn't know it was in French, <laughs> so okay <laughs> i watched it in french with subtitles and i had this like crisis because i was saying that i was like oh i'm not super into french extremity but i love torture porn so mm -hmm. like why why don't i like french extremity and then i was like oh no is it just the french like do i dislike oh, the man. collection but anyway <laughs> i concluded that no but i had this like crisis of when it was in french that i was like it is just the french but it's not the french it is. <laughs> excellent <laughs> and i really liked french Rob. bastards I've not xenophobic and I do like the movie Rot. It was just a very funny moment where I was okay. like, oh no, what if it turns out that I just don't like torture mm -hmm. porn when people speak French? But that's not yeah. what it was. And I, I know, like, really brief for me, my first time seeing this was at Telluride Horror Show um, back when it was playing the Fest Circuit. We actually got, I'm one of the hosts and programmers there, and we got it like ultra last minute, like Ted Wilson, who, um, founded and runs that festival like sometimes he just won't take no for an answer so he kept like badgering not badgering he kept like fighting to get like these movies that we just were told like no you're not going to get them and we ended up being able to show it as part of a secret screening along with what um, better watch out when it was called safe neighborhood and the autopsy of jane doe so oh, uh, those oh, are our man. three secret screenings yeah and they did better watch out and autopsy of jane doe against one another for the closing films so i had to i hosted and did safe neighborhood or i better watch out but it was like oh i wanted to see both but yeah i got to introduce this and you know without having seen it yet um and as someone who like really you know i don't know if he loves but I, I really do appreciate a lot of french horror and this seemed like it had been about i would say a good eight or nine years since we had gotten something like that would really stood out like the last french horror movie that i remember is the pack um, which is more of a monster movie than like an extreme french horror movie and really like martyrs seem to be kind of the apex of like this kind of extreme body horror so it was kind of a return to that and i was kind of hoping it would spark maybe a resurgence in this kind of horror but to date, I don't think there's been a lot. I and mean, I could be wrong. You know, listeners, if there's anything since 2016 that I should check out, please like fire away. Because I watched a trailer for a new French horror movie today. What is it? 
watched one on Netflix with Melanie Leraw, and it's the director, Alexandra Aha, is that how you say it, mm -hmm. from um, yeah. High Tension. Yeah. They're doing a sci-fi buried type of... Cannibalism connection there. He also did uh, Hills Have Eyes remake. Mm -hmm. Yep. Though I will point out that they did not really use cannibalism so much in that in the remake. Like it was not as emphasized, which is a whole nother tangent that I just get mm -hmm. very angry about because the Texas Chainsaw remake also did the same thing. They yeah. kind of they kind of wiped out that whole cannibalism like. And I like that movie. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I actually like both of them. But from a cannibalism horror standpoint, I'm like, why did you take... Like, that was, like, the whole point of both movies. And I both... they showed a guy, like, gnawing on a human bone at one point. It's there, but it's not as much a part of the story. Because I just okay. watched it. Like, if you watch the original, the cannibalism is, like, in your it's face. Like, yeah. it's the whole point. This is... They're mutants, and they just also happen to be kind of cannibalistic. Mm -hmm. Like you don't, you don't get the vibe that they're doing it to eat these people. Mm -hmm. They're doing it to get their money, get their whatever. You know, it feels like an and afterthought. If there's like some succulent flesh to gnaw on along the way, then what the hell? At that, that point, I loved Excellent. your Massachusetts gnaw just now, and. Uh -huh. I hope that you get the opportunity to say it again. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> I try was... not to have like the mass hole accent, but every oh my gosh, no! What are you talking about? Make you rich? Um, the like newest, out. like anyway. I other. definitely got my second shot at like Fenway Park, you know, and like, <sighs> took a picture in front of the green monster with my like vaccine card. It was like the most, and and no restaurant was open and i'm like i have had my shot i am eating indoors for the first time in a year no you have to only, wait like four weeks i was not waiting four weeks the only thing was that was open was a Wahlburgers. i'm like i have to eat at donnie and mark fucking Wahlberg's restaurant as my first indoor meal in over a year mm. but you know i would have waited <laughs> but i did it absolutely That's... got my you know, cheeseburger and fries and like it was the best damn burger I have had in over a year. So Yeah, that's fair. You know, oh my god, I that's really dope. I thought it was seven days. It, I thought it was not four weeks, but seven days. I don't I like don't the know. ring. I thought it was the ring. I think it's at least two weeks, but ask your doctor. I thought it don't was I me. thought it was two to four weeks. Okay. So, I have been You're... licking doorknobs and rubbing my ass on things and like picking gum up off the streets. Just like ask your doctor, don't Twitter crowdsource. Okay. The vaccine Excellent. information is Excellent. my advice. All right. So, um, I, I did see an interesting, and I think it was a French horror movie during Chattanooga's Frightening Ass Film Festival mm -hmm. uh, called Anonymous Animals. Mm. Now, this movie was not for me. I can, I can, it was a beautifully made movie, but it just felt like it was written by a really angry vegan. Is there any oh. other... Kind, like and like, like so basically it's like a whole bunch of like it was sort of like an anthology movie but mm -hmm. not really anthology because everything was interwoven sort of mm -hmm. and basically it was like humans in the position of animals and animals like as the humans so like they had like human fights instead of dog fights so and the planet of the apes but the the animals never speak like it's not like they're wearing like these big like you know, it was very artistic and they're wearing mm -hmm. these giant masks and it was just a really like 
weird movie. And maybe because I watched it at like, I was like up really late. I think I watched mm-hmm. it like one or two in the morning. And so I was already kind of tired. It just did not hit for me. Yeah. And are you but, sure you didn't watch Dr. Doolittle and just thought it was? It was all, it was all just, <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> it just was, checking. It was just, it wasn't a bad movie. It just wasn't for me. Like, I can mm-hmm. see why people would like it, mm-hmm. but it was definitely like, it, it gut punched you. Like, it was just yeah. like sad. Like, what was the French horror movie that played? chattanooga last year and it wasn't really horror it was the young woman who falls in love with a tilt-a-whirl and it was really amazing and wonderful jumbo yes and i know that's more sci-fi than horror but it was awesome jumbo complete fantasia i want to say are fantastic and i really wanted to see it fantasia oh it's so good i need to see that again because that movie was amazing nobody likes climax if we're talking french horror oh yeah Mm -hmm. i know it's like when you said that there hadn't been any french horror, i was like that seems right and then immediately after i was like i'm sure there are french horror movies the logo (laughs) is the french flag (laughs) i don't think i've ever watched i think gaspar noe is like a huge i've never seen irreversible um i think that he is a huge blind spot for me in terms of like french horror so that's a good point okay so someone recommended that one to me and i watched it and then i texted him afterwards and i was like why did you suggest that for me it's like you don't Mm. even know me like (laughs) he's like it was horror i thought you would like it and Mm. i'm like i'm like that's not right no mm-hmm. no this is a 10 out of 10 film in my yeah. eyes <laughs> uh, see that one oh, maybe Excellent. i just Excellent. don't Excellent. like Excellent. maybe i just don't like french extremity yeah, maybe i guess this you just is... don't like mm-hmm. french movies and that's you know i feel better I... about myself but it was really <laughs> you the whole time i mean i think maybe i just like raw because it's cannibalism mm-hmm. i'm willing to overlook its French extremity. Mm-hmm. You're all like, <laughs> I'll forgive it for being French. Yes. <laughs> Damn French. I'm moving to England in two years, so the French are going to be my natural enemy. So it's going to be. Those are the great. rules. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, it's, the rules. It's just facts. It's yeah. facts. It's yep. written in the Magna Carta. It is. I learned today, speaking of not French, <laughs> I learned today that Georges St. Pierre is going to be in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm hmm. Like reply, reprising his role as a French guy with his like very Quebecois accent, mm-hmm. which is like, I'm so excited we get more of that. I'm Excellent. thrilled. Excellent. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm sorry, French people. It's not our fault. Um, <laughs> What's not your fault? A guy named <laughs> that George St. Pierre is impersonating you. <laughs> oh. His accent is very French Canadian. It's I mean, not the right thank- one. Thank the Russos. They're the ones that cast him in that movie in the first place. <laughs> I remember, like, um, when I came out, because obviously, if I shouldn't, like, if you don't know French accents versus French Canadian accents, it might not be something that you notice. Mm-hmm. So I remember, like, thinking that everyone would be making fun of his accent, not making fun of it because it's a French Canadian accent, just making fun of it because it's definitely clearly not a French accent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, nobody did. And I just remember, like, being, you know, like, a couple of my Canadian friends just, like, howling and then i have some friends who are french um from paris and they like were screaming they were like what that is not like they were so mad in like classic french fashion which was like Mm -hmm. beautiful so i'm just really excited that there's more they were so mad they gave up right they surrendered right away like they just gave (laughs) up i hope that like my french friends are as mad because it was very funny for me to hear them like yelling in Mm -hmm. front like 
about how mad they were about GSP's accent. Absolutely. So it's great. Um, but yeah, all right, so I pissed people. off. I pissed off vegans and the French. So yeah, first of all, what the hell? I was muted. Uh, <laughs> and then on my I'm other offended. show, I went after like like pot culture and hippie culture and our episode on um, not one cut of the dead, but on they look like people. Like I went on well, a ten minute rant how like there needs to be more minor threat and less like fish. So what? You know. Oh, absolutely. Like now that I've got the vet, we're gonna live life again. Like. It's watching Minor Threat in 1981 at the Cat Lounge, so DC Cat Club. So, yeah, that's me. So <laughs> you're shaking your head, Reina. You're kind of like, no, I like Minor Threat. I, I love Minor. I, Threat. I can't diss them. I love I went Minor on, Threat. I went on a tangent on Twitter the other day about like Boston hardcore because somebody posted a photo of them in a mm. Bane hoodie, and I was like, yes. <laughs> Bane. oh man they play we'll talk later we'll definitely yeah. talk later <laughs> that's that's for another that's time our, sorry and i remember i do like my punk diatribes like Lindsay's like i'm gonna just check out for the next few minutes that's not true no. i just know that you want the space to do it i know i need it it's i need it i just i can't that. wait to go to sarko in the basement shows again okay we're gonna move on to our discussion on raw and the parts that really stuck out to us so this is going to be your last learning. This is going to be your last warning, listeners. We are going to spoil this movie. So if you haven't seen it yet, pause, watch it, and then come back. Um, I think I want to lead things off by just asking everyone what you think of this idea that this is kind of barely a horror movie, and it's much more of like a coming-of-age drama with some very intense imagery and body horror thrown in. Like what really struck me in my rewatch, the first 50 minutes of this movie, there's absolutely almost no horror in it whatsoever. It very much plays out almost like Prozac Nation in some ways and very much like a coming of age, like, you know, young woman gets kind of like swept up and being away from home and at college for the first time. What are your thoughts on that? I think yeah. what what it does is like it does a really good job of kind of like lulling you into like a false sense of security. And it's also what makes this film so great because, you know, with a cannibalism movie, you expect gore, you expect extreme, all of that. And I think that the reason this movie is as good as it is, is because it balances that really well with a beautiful film. Mm -hmm. so you're not completely grossed out you're not you're not just sitting there for 90 minutes of cannibal holocaust you know where you're you're just like oh my gosh every scene is worse than the next and i think i'm gonna be sick and you feel dirty after watching it like this movie is a beautiful movie you can't you can't deny that whether or not you are a horror fan whether or not you like cannibalism movies it's just a beautifully made movie yes and because of that, the gore, at least for me, doesn't seem as gory. Like, it's there. It's, it's graphic. Mm -hmm. But it's not as bad. Like, it's, it feels subdued. Interesting. Yeah, I like that. I know that I like that idea. And the idea that, like, people fainting in the audience are getting really upset. Almost like they got lulled in or kind of forgot what kind of movie they're watching. Because when it goes extreme, it really, it really goes for it and it feels like it goes from like zero to a 100 at the snap of the fingers 
I almost found it's like subtle gore more difficult to watch. And I don't mean difficult to watch in a bad or a good way, just like much more like, oh my God. Upsetting. Um, yeah, I don't even know. Like, I don't mean this is a negative. It's definitely not a negative, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, it was harder to watch. Like I love really over the top mm-hmm. gore. Like I think when genuinely, when I was talking about why I like torture porn and not French extremity was more because torture porn for me is like total junk food as mm-hmm. where French extremity because of like its messaging, I feel much more engaged in it. And that's mm-hmm. what it gets me a bit differently. Um, uh, which yeah, is not a slight. It's just a personal choice mm-hmm. anyway, that's all. Um, but yeah, so when it comes to this, I found the gore is so much more subtle, but it 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 gives me like more of like the shudders. Like for instance, when she's eating um, her sister's finger, yeah, she doesn't chomp down on it with her back teeth. She's not covered in blood. She's not splattering everywhere. She's taking tiny nibbles of it, like it's baby corn and she's yeah. Tom Hanks and big. And it just like made my whole body like, like just so nasty. And I was like, that is like, that's the type of shit that's like so effective. Like even the part where she's doing the initiation and she has to eat the, I guess it's like rabbit liver or something. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember. The rabbit kidney, um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I don't eat meat either. So like that moment I was like, oh no, because <laughs> like I knew it was coming and I was like, oh God. And she puts it in her mouth and she just looks so revolted and grossed out and like doesn't swallow for a while. Like that was way grosser to me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that stuff hit me a lot harder than other gore, I would say. Yeah. On her point, I found the scene where she's like nibbling on her sister's finger. I even the first time when I saw it in a theater, I laughed out loud and I was like the only person in the theater, like cracking up at it. Oh my God. Just, I was like, Bleh. just cause I, I, th- I found it to be like, so like, it was like one of those situations, like, what do I equate this to? Like it, I equate it to like, you're in high school and somebody walked in on you in a compromising position. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I got that reading from it. So when her sister wakes up and sees that she's like nibbling on her finger, I just lost it. Lost it. Oh yeah, that's a good gag for sure. Yeah, I had people staring at me like I was yeah. psychotic. No, <laughs> I that... had a like, oh, reaction to that. <laughs> that shot yeah. is framed so perfectly because mm-hmm. it holds on the sister in the background for so long. Like the way the sister is posed, like one knee is kind of up. She's just kind of sprawled out, and it just holds on that one shot for so long that you know something is coming. Uh, and, you know, you're just kind of waiting for it and waiting for it. So I can see how that does play off as somewhat comical when um, like you like you're right, like she's been caught at that point. So I totally can get that. Yeah. yeah. And to me, like just so much of this movie, like it it lays out kind of like what I would say is like kind of the college experience or that being away from home for the first time experience. And that is like so much of what this movie is, is about to me. And you get the impression that like Justine has always been treated as kind of the whiz kid and a little bit like with kid gloves. Like there's that one craggly professor that seems to delight in trying to take her down a peg um, to the point where he's like insulting and she's a freshman there or what a first year student there and he almost blames her for other students feeling intimidated by her intelligence, which was weird to me because usually when a university would get someone with that level of intelligence, it would 
and prestige, they would kind of celebrate that because it's at the end of the day, like it's going to bring in more donors and it's going to allow their game. And she was in the, he was almost like you being here means they're going to have less good doctors because people are intimidated by you. And it's like, well, that's not her fucking fault. But I also feel like that's really where the uh, woman writer and director comes in because Mm -hmm. the experience of like the intelligent woman or the successful woman being told that like you're being intimidating is Mm -hmm. actually a bad thing is probably like there's a lot of moments jammed into this film that feel like I just want to throw a woman's experience at you and I feel like that was one of them I think Mm -hmm. I don't know that was my read I'm curious I'm not the uh yeah it it felt like it felt like when he was talking about that whole like you know people are intimidated by you blah 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 he was intimidated by her it wasn't Mm -hmm. that the others were it was right this misogynistic old dude who's never going to change mm-hmm. clearly and he's intimidated by her and i think this was the way of saying that yeah that makes sense i can understand that okay i feel like that also comes out in the doctor scene um which i like love and it feels so clunky and weird and i love it the part mm-hmm. where she visits the doctor and it's a woman and I don't even really remember how the conversation goes, but suddenly she's like telling an anecdote about like an overweight woman yeah. and how I feel like she's smoking a cigarette. She is, which is really <laughs> weird. She like lights up a butt in the middle of I'm a like minding smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Um, and she like tells this story about um, a quote overweight woman um, not being able to get good medical attention because of her weight and everybody judges her and then how she comes to her and she didn't do that and like yeah it obviously has meaning throughout the film but it also was like kind of a clunky anecdote that I just really felt like was like the movie being like and here's another thing Mm -hmm. that (laughs) did you you find that that was like too much were you like all right this is a little bit much Mr. Kernel I liked it I was like why the hell not go off (laughs) okay (laughs) I don't know um yeah Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to go off in another direction now and um, look at that that segue. Just going to revel in that for a second. We need um, to talk about... We need to talk about that transition. It was not that good. It's actually thinking back. Was, okay, we're going to edit this part out. Edit, edit, edit. Um, okay, so to me like this, I think like the obvious thing is this movie is like a metaphor for like discovering one's sexuality and justine like finding these urges within her and it follows other films like this often gets compared to ginger snaps um i would also say like uh, large shades of like carrie in this movie Mm -hmm. um may from lucky mckee and also i think that movie teeth all of those movies kind of like came to mind when i was kind of reviewing like well what is what's this really what's really going on here um And one of the things I found interesting, like one thing that all of these movies have in common is it sees like female sexuality as this really like monstrous and destructive thing. Like, you know, nobody really wants like the vestal virgin, but God forbid there's a woman that is in charge of uh, their sexuality um because that just means bad times are coming for everybody else and am i on the wrong page here or what do others kind of think of that i'm willing to argue that the most monstrous act in the film period is the one hetero 
sex scene. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to argue that that is the most traumatic and kind of horrifying experience out of everything in this movie mm-hmm. and kind of adds to the fact that that this is a metaphor for her finding her own sexuality. It just like, I might, I mean, the writing's on the wall. It's like the one hetero scene she has, she's like traumatized after. Mm-hmm. And I think, it I seems think, like they both are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it very much plays into that idea mm-hmm. because there's also the, there's also like that study. I don't know if it's like true or not by saying like, if one, child is lgbt the chances of the other one being that go Mm -hmm. up as well so i think the movie plays a lot more with the dynamics of that and illustrating that like like oh this is this is a metaphor for that and i think i think everything else is just like toppings i do agree that like after a while that like if they throw like a million like different experiences at at you it can weigh down Mm-hmm. kind of detract from the one focus of the main theme um but i do strongly believe that the one thing it the one theme it does try to tackle it tackles super well mm-hmm. um i'm not sure if i'm making sense please let me know if i'm rambling no you <laughs> completely are it's interesting because um, i didn't well i don't want to say i didn't get a hint of queerness but i think there is a lot of like it, it feels like justine's sexuality is very fluid um, and you see that in the scene at the party scene where one woman is like, hey, get your hands off my dude. And she's like, you know, go kiss someone else. And she's like, well, you do. And she just immediately like leaps on her. Like there's definitely because the floodgates have kind of opened with Justine. She's very open to like she's not going to pin herself down to like a orientation. Like she's willing to experiment to see, you know, what's going to work best for her in the long term. I found like the, um, the scene you're mentioning between Justine and, oh boy, I'm drawing a blank on the dude's name now. Is it Adrian? Yeah. Adrian. Um, like Adrian comes across off as the much more like traumatized person because he was really upfront. Like I'm gay. Like when he introduces her, she's like, I thought I asked her room with a girl. I was like, no, you're with a gay dude. It's the same thing. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And she walks in on him uh, at least once when he's like, you know, in a a compromising position. Um, You know, again, Adrian, sock on the doorknob. That's all you got to do. That's the universal sign. Um, And when they kind of, he obviously feels very affectionate towards her. in a way that like I've had relationships with women where like we're very affectionate and care about one another, but it's not necessarily a sexual relationship. Um, but because it leads to that, he all of a sudden is like, I've spent 20 years hiding who I am. Now I can be out and be who I really am. I don't want to go back to this. I don't want to feel like I have to be with a woman just because I might, you know, love her in a sisterly way. Like I didn't come all this way to out come out only to jump back in the closet again. So I found like, I definitely get what you're saying about that being traumatizing. I felt it was more traumatizing for him (laughs) and her just being like, I mean, she's primal in that scene. Like she just sees what she wants and she takes it. That was like the only scene that I really winced at. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And, and to, segue back to your uh point it's it's the college experience yeah i mean it sounds cliche but you go out and you experiment 
Mm -hmm. you find out what you like yeah 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 i kind of read it that way i was i was actually interested to hear other people's readings of that scene um so i'm glad that uh you all brought it up because yeah exactly the same thing it's visceral she is primal he kind of like he doesn't so much like um shout and scream but he's very much like no at Mm -hmm. the quote end he's like stop doing what you're doing Mm -hmm. um and they're both super traumatized it's like an uncomfortable scene for a lot of reasons that makes you think like yikes and then yeah like he very much announces himself to her when they meet as a gay man um and yeah I was kind of like okay and I didn't so much read it it was it was like him going back in the closet or anything like that but again, I don't know. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. have, um, you know, whatever. Anyway, my, <laughs> my reading was much more like he was just like, oh shit. Like he experimented and he was like, what the hell did I just yeah. do? Um, and kind of felt like he made a mistake. And then also he was very much like, what is with this chick? Cause yeah. she just like tried to eat me while mm-hmm. throwing her head around. <laughs> um, I think that makes more sense. That reading of like, I just made a mistake. What was I doing? Yeah. I get that yeah, so I much. Know. Like a lot of experimentation goes down. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of it goes down like, oh, I turns out I am not into that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, turns out I hated it. Yeah. Well, and I mean I think my room. (laughs) I think that's also like part of the trauma there is, you know, he clearly has had his identity for twenty years, which he kept in the closet. And then all of a sudden now this act is making him question twenty years of his life Mm -hmm. that he fought to hide and is now out and open with. And so I can't imagine that that wouldn't be traumatizing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, now you're questioning something that you were so certain of to the point where you had to hide it. Like you, you know, that's not an easy experience. And to then have it kind of, it's almost like not respected by her. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's, you know, that's just, that's an that's also traumatizing. And then there's the scene where she's thrown into the closet with the other guy with the paint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like basically told like mess around with this guy you barely know. Right. Don't come out till your paint's mixed. Right. She, she's painted blue, he's painted yellow, and it's like don't come out till you're both green. It's and so like seven minutes in heaven. Yeah, I was like yeah. that is some seven minutes stuff. But it's yeah. but it was like forced. It wasn't like she right. was a willing participant. Like it wasn't like some kids game where she was like, "Ooh, I'm gonna do this." It was literally she enters the room and is thrown into this mm-hmm. like as part of this hazing act. And it's you know, so I I feel like her experience you know is you know as someone who's not experienced now every experience she's having is this you know aggressive forced kind of thing. So that's what she's learning because she's been so repressed for so long. She doesn't know how to say no, Like Mm -hmm. she doesn't know how she, and not just in, in sexual situations, but you see like later on when she's drinking, she's like, just like give me four shots right now. So I don't have to come back to the bar later. Mm -hmm. Um, She keeps putting herself in these very compromising positions because like really, no one has ever looked out for her. Like you get the feeling that her and her, her, her we're going to talk more about her and Alex in a little bit, but in you get the feeling like she's always been kind of helicopter parented by her mom. And it, no one has maybe had the conversation about like, look, like if you're going to drink, do it responsibly. Or um, 
she's never really had maybe like a boyfriend before or even thought to have it because she was so hyper-focused on her studies that like every situation she's thrust into, she's like, I'm going to just dive into it with both feet at this point and just kind of like let the chips fall where they may. And well, now Alex, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you first. Um, I'm just going to expand on what you said. Like Alex also tells her like, you better not say no or you will fail at this. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she's, you know, her so much of her um identity is is being really smart and good and successful and that's what she's gonna be and she gets here and it's like you're not gonna be successful unless you like bone eat meat and party and get drunk and so Mm -hmm. you better do it like the first 20 minutes i don't know of the movie is her sister being like stop saying no or you're gonna ruin Mm -hmm. this and no. I can I can attest to that because when I first moved out of my parents' home, I kind of moved into like a house with like a bunch of dude bros, mm-hmm. and it was always like, let's see if we can out drink each other for the fourth night this week, yeah. mm-hmm. and punching holes in the walls, just doing just up to nonsense. Like it got to a point that I didn't know what this happy medium was when it came to like alcohol or sex because it was a little personal, but when I jumped into a first proper relationship, it turned into this hypersexual like relationship mm-hmm. because I didn't know, like the only personality traits I knew were like to not to either go hard or go home. Yeah. Like if you're going to do it, do it. If not, don't bother. Yeah. And that's the like college experience. Like he said, <laughs> um, it's definitely the college dude bro experience times 10. But like, yeah, the college experience is very much like, don't fuck this up. Like my school, um, I remember, you know, Frosh Week, I don't know what everybody else calls it. Frosh Week, is that a thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, everyone's at Frosh Week. Um, uh, Our Frosh Week, I mean, it wasn't that intense per se, but like, yeah. And like our school had to like do all this work to tame Frosh Week because it, I mean, we didn't eat animal guts, but um, you know. (laughs) It was a lot of forced partying that they had to like really work to be like, no, it's dry, no alcohol at Frosh Week. And we're like, LOL. Um, But (laughs) (laughs) like, yeah, like the, you know, you better not say no, you better not miss that party or you will be a social pariah. Mm -hmm. And if you're a social pariah, no one's going to share their notes with you. And if no one shares their notes with you, you're not going to do well. Like it was very real. Like your success was very much tied to it. And it was like the culture of like, drinking chance clubs you're awesome you're dope here's a I, <laughs> I and i'm gonna overshare here i was oh, the wow. social pariah um, <gasps> because what? i was like a like i had a few drinks in high school but it never like stuck with me so mm-hmm. i was definitely like the straight edge punk kid that wanted to do college radio and go i remember like i started at the college radio station and like the seniors like let me go with them to see fugazi they were playing in providence and I'm like, I'm getting to hang with the older kids, but like, I just didn't drink. And like, uh, at the time, like you could take a driver's license and using like an iron, you can make a fake ID really easy. And everyone was doing that and going to bars. And I'm like, I just want to go to all ages show. And I would like bike off campus to the downtown, like our, our university in Providence was like far enough away from downtown that no one ever went but i would just like ride my bike to the downtown and go to like club babyhead and lupos and maxes and just like go see all these like tiny punk bands but never drink and i had like tons of friends off campus like i would go to spoken word readings and crash at my friends couches that like didn't go to i didn't go to school with 
but like I had maybe two friends at school, like the first year in particular, like I'm like this just like culture of like drinking until you like vomit and and it just it's not for me like I don't really want any part of that so I was definitely much more of like the social pariah type and I left that school after two and a half years like my dad died at the end of my first year and then I just went full-on like shaved head punk for two years and like said class could be optional um but like I don't know like I don't I don't think I missed anything. You know what I mean? But like, it's definitely, it was just a different thing for me. I don't know. It's just different. As someone that once said to a group of friends, Hey, watch me do 15 shots of Jack Daniels and then proceeded to do it. Yeah. I can confirm you are not missing out on much. (laughs) Wow. You are still here. Yeah. I, 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 Listen, that night, I mm-hmm. just remember blacking in and out multiple mm-hmm. times. And apparently, I said some very compromising stuff about my mm-hmm. sexuality that I don't yeah. remember. And yeah. uh, don't even know how I got home. Oh, my gosh. Were you, at that time, like, when you say you said compromising things about your sexuality, like, were you aware of it at that time? Or had that been, like, really kind of suppressed in the Jack Daniels it, maybe helped it come out? It, it was super suppressed of like, hey, mm-hmm. don't ever tell anyone that you ever thought this way, especially because mm-hmm. I grew up like raised like hardcore Roman Catholic. Same. Yeah. So it was like, don't ever tell anyone you had these thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then lo and behold, that one night, I guess I really said something out loud that I shouldn't mm-hmm. have because mm-hmm. my friend, she texted me the next day. She's like, she's like, you said some things. Like, and yeah. I was like, oh, what? yeah pretty much and then and then pretty much after that i guess like in a weird way that i got more depressed so then i just kept drinking over and over Mm -hmm. again and i was just like i was like no no i'm still the dude bro you guys all know like let's get Mm -hmm. drunk let's party like like let's not even like acknowledge it Mm -hmm. and And did they do that were they more like we're just gonna not even talk about that or do you feel like all of a sudden they looked at you askance like no no they were pretty much like Mm-hmm. like they're all like let's get blackout drunk and see if we can break four boards over this person's head Excellent. so i remember one night oh and God, i just sounds right. i i was <laughs> the timekeeper for it. that's how nerdy i am they drank a hundred shots of beer in a hundred minutes oh yeah the century club yeah and then they all jumped out the window from the second floor to the first floor into the snow banks in their underwear and i'm like i'll do that i'm sober i'll fucking jump it out in the snow banks i'm calling underwear. a foul yeah. This anecdote. Because there's no way your friends completed the Century Club. Hey, listeners, Mike here. I just want to cut into the show with what I promise will be a brief pitch for our Patreon account. And I got musical cues and everything to not run past. If you love what we do and what we bring each week in terms of analysis, humor, criticism, insight, charm, good looks really the complete package we hope you consider supporting us by becoming a patreon of our pod your contributions allow us to build what we've done for nearly 100 episodes now by paying for our servers hosts by purchasing better recording and editing equipment and by giving us the funds we need to buy the movies the books the documentaries and other research materials we use to bring each episode to life Our weekly show is always going to be free, 
and we know that times are tight for everyone right now. We also know there's a number of phenomenal podcasts deserving of your support. That's why, as well as our gratitude, we offer bonus content to all levels of patrons, starting at just two bucks. Every month, we deliver a complete bonus episode on a movie we might not otherwise cover, and all of our patrons get access to our exclusive Slack channel where we talk horror, music, any other types of movies. Really, it's a cool little community with our patrons right now that are all just awesome people. With 2021 right around the corner, I got some more ideas up my sleeve on how to give everybody some more content and some more swag. So please help keep the show strong by heading to patreon.com slash pod and the pendulum and become a supporter today. And now back to the show. They may not have. I mean, I didn't do it. I'm not saying that I did it, but <laughs> probably got to the 60s club. You have to remember, like it was really watered down, like natural light. Oh, that's you true. know what I mean. And like, I think it might have even been like Olympic beer. Like that's how poor everybody was. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm, okay. so it wasn't like they were drinking like. Because there's like Molson's Triple X up in your area where it's like very strong and harsh. I you mean, know, and, I, I, guess, I you know, don't know. Southern California, we had OE. What's OE? Uh, old English. Oh, yeah. Old English. This is what I drank in high school. It was like the only thing you get your friend's brother to buy. No, it's that's like. That's Old Spice. Okay. It's well, like that's a, Old Spice no, too, it's small we, liquor that comes in a 40. Okay. We used to play uh, Edward 40 Hands. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where they, you just duct tape two of them to your hands. They wouldn't so unduct tape them until you were done. Until you finish them. So smart people wear diapers, let me tell you. Listen, drinking culture is so cool and not <laughs> yeah. gross. I just remember. Um, <laughs> I just remember all of us going to see reservoir dogs and then buying like disc guns and pretending we were in reservoir dogs and like shooting at each other on campus those little yeah we yeah, were, i would rather have, have that than hands. like yeah than like doing 15 shots of jack daniels and then questioning uh, my life choices in they're the like oh no i was oh, always no. like in high school well sorry mom and dad um we drank a lot at my high school like it wasn't it was weird um and so by the time i got to undergrad i was like big deal alcoholic seen it (laughs) seen it whatever and so I kind of like had I definitely feel like I went to a school that was like a quote-unquote party school Mm -hmm. but we're very smart let me just say also the best school academically in the province like whatever um (laughs) and maybe the country depending who you ask but um (laughs) we were a party school and I'm not gonna like pretend like I was above Mm -hmm. that but there was definitely like a period in first year like I was the friend who like drove you to the hospital because like I was very much like okay yeah did y'all have fun at the party did you try to drink as many shots as your birthday that was too many shots let's get you a saline drip like i was like not a friend but i was like I never see, like totally see you in that role Mother superior yeah but i was never a douche about it like i never made you like feel bad mm-hmm. the next day or told anyone what happened or anything mm-hmm. like that but i was like i'll get you to the hospital we'll get you there we'll get mm-hmm. you a drip i'll pick you up in the morning it's gonna be fine like you know, listen. I just feel like, yeah, this movie definitely brought <laughs> back movie. some memories of like watching this kind of go down at school. Yes. But to like a level to me that I'm like, 
holy shit, it's like Caligula going on. In yes, here, like, Caligula. <laughs> I never got so messed up that I let someone give me a Brazilian wax. Because... No, or lick my eyeball, like lick. Yeah, what? Acid. Oh, yeah. yeah. See, the subtle gross stuff is worse because yeah. that was gross. Mm-hmm. And people like that. Like, that's the thing. I don't yeah. want to say a fetish. I don't know that it's a fetish per se, but it's like a thing people like. Mm-hmm. I think the worst thing I've ever done, and please, please call me out if this is dumb. Uh, no horror stories, but apparently oh one time, <laughs> apparently one time I got so drunk, I went to go use the bathroom and like I pulled my underwear back up, but couldn't pull my pants back up. So I, I passed out with my pants down. In, oh boy yeah in the hallway for everybody to see whomst amongst us i think we've all had some has... some sort of <laughs> they compromising they, thing like that they took photos and they oh that's not nice and they photoshopped it with like the astronauts and zero gravity training and put me upside down in it and i was like i hate this but i also kind of yeah, love that's it pretty funny. <laughs> i think like in general pictures are mean but like that's a good bit mm-hmm. if you like keep it in the circle but i it think w- in general like yeah. the posting the drunk passed out i'm like that's not cool no it wasn't posting it was like strictly the circle of friends that's a good yeah. bit that's a good bit. If you do that, you could get haunted like they do in Unfriended, and it could end very badly. <gasps> this is what I'm so, saying. <laughs> so, so this movie, my this one movie thing is bring back memories. We, though we threw a toga party when I lived in Alston. We were like the house where everybody came. We had bands play in the backyard, and for the I'm like Fourth of July. We were just watching Animal House in May, and I'm like Fourth of July toga party. That's what we're doing. And then I met my wife like soon after. So the first time she ever met my friends was like with a hundred people wearing a bed sheet. And we just, I remember we like drunkenly stumbled up the road to watch the fireworks in Boston. And then we couldn't really, I'm like, I can't stay here anymore. We walked back. There were like just random people in our living room. I didn't know playing instruments. And I'm like, Ooh, a pie. And we just like, got like we were super drunk and ate like a whole banana cream pie in my bed and then you know (laughs) pulled around and it was like the best night of my life i think you know i would rank it like the birth of my daughter getting married um bumping into the rock outside a men's room after a monday night raw and going it's a people's champ and him giving me the eyebrow and then toga (laughs) sex drunk toga sex eating a banana cream pie in bed with my that now wife top five right there so funny and i love that so much and but i'm so mad that it story. wasn't a boston cream pie but... yeah. <laughs> boston cream pie like, i'm not a big what? fan of boston cream banana cream pie is where it's at i'm not a big fan of boston cream so fine all right let's get back to this movie this is one of our famous say but it's not really a segue because i do think it kind of relates to what goes down in this movie um, about our experiences yes it did how um, we relate to it but it's all triggered. All this is triggered by Justine eating meat for the first time. And like one of the more, like when I watched this movie, I didn't really know fully what it was about. So when I saw like after she eats the raw rabbit kidney and she breaks out of that full scale rash, mm. um, um, I thought we were going to go like body horror in a much different direction at that point because that was like really gruesome but in a very realistic way that's probably gave me the most like squeamish stuff for me in the whole movie yeah that rash sucks 
Ooh, and, and oh god and she scratches it mm -hmm. so much yeah. and it just looks you like you can't blame her oh, oh no that no, scene you... went on way too long mm -hmm. i was oh. just like like the like non-mom in me because i'm not actually a mom but i'm like a friend mom you know mm -hmm. i'm like stop scratching that yeah. don't do that i'm like sitting there like clapping at the screen like don't do that stop. yeah stop scratching at her like six times I was like, stop <laughs> it don't scratch it you're Leave making it, it worse don't scratch it <laughs> yeah same um yeah that was just ick. yeah that would give me the big ick factor there um yeah, also, and... when the doctor peels off the skin, yeah. why did that happen? Just like, so why? you can make that face right now. That <laughs> really, Making that's a why. Face? Never heard of you it. Just, yeah. Um, yeah. Why? It... Yeah. I watched this last night while eating dinner, and it oh. was like rotisserie chicken, so it probably wasn't the best choice of food. <laughs> I was watching, now, yeah. I watched today around lunchtime mm -hmm. and I'm like, you know, I think I'm going to pause this and watch yeah. a little love it or list it while I uh, mm -hmm. eat my roast beef sandwich because yeah. I don't think these two go together. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Yes, I can put my salad down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put away these greens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, same. Excellent. Meanwhile, I'm literally eating a food with a skin. Yeah. Peeling <laughs> it back, getting all that crispy oh, meat. Oh, if I eat oh. a rabbit kidney, I know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So oh. the, you know, the moral of the story is like, do not eat raw rabbit kidney. Um, eat cooked rabbit kidney. Eat no, I'm kidding. rabbit kidney. <laughs> what do we make? In French, probably. Yeah. In <laughs> You see, like, her, and to me, like, the scenes where she's trying to, like, sneak, like, she puts a burger in the most unsubtle way, like, she throws, like, a hamburger patty in her coat pocket. In and her, it's like, just, like, smock pocket. Yeah, that actually freaks me out. Like, this things about being greasy or sticky really freak me out. So her just, like, pawing this piece of, like, greasy beef and throwing it in her pocket and then seeing the pocket, and it's, like, dripping with gristle. Like, that actually unnerves me and then like sneaking off with like julian to you know go get the shawarma like get like what looked like really good like shawarma at like a gas gas and sip basically um to me was this idea of like masturbating for the first time like figuring out who you are and like being like really secretive and definitely not wanting to get caught like that to me was what that kind of struck me i, I, di I didn't want to bring the first to I didn't want to be the first to bring up masturbating. So oh, I will always I'm so glad somebody did. I'm always <laughs> proud to be the first person to talk about masturbating. It's okay. Like that's, but, I just bring it up when it's not even on the table. Like, you master you know, of your domain. Yeah, we did crudes, the crudes. Like that's how this is a great big metaphor for it's not. So so yeah, like I got the same reading from that scene. It's like when when you're a kid and you're like you're hiding that porn mm -hmm. from your parents, like yep hiding it under the mattress or wherever you mm -hmm. used to hide it um i used to hide mine tape behind the tv because mm -hmm. nobody would ever check there um but um yeah i got the exact same reading or like when i first started doing research on like hrt from planned parenthood i would hide it like in books i would have a friend take me to the one out of town mm -hmm. on the off chance that like somebody might recognize me at the one yeah. in town so 
yeah it it like once again reinforces that idea about sexuality it really like not kind of enforces it this movie just kind of like bashes you over the head with it yeah <laughs> yeah like, like i don't get when pe- yeah like i don't get when people are like eh, that's not really about sexuality i'm like did we watch the same damn movie no. yeah. like it literally is on its face uh-huh. about sexuality like almost every time she quote feeds it's always in like either a sexual situation or an implicitly sexual situation i have to like shout out um our friend jenny nolf who came for one of the final destination episodes um i feel like i might have mentioned already but she has a really great video essay for certified Mm -hmm. forgot about um cannibalism and horror and Mm. kind of how it is a sexual thing um you should check that out it's on the yeah, I know like um, Molly Henry, who was on our Urban Legend show, does a whole article on this movie and under the umbrella of like uterus horror um, mm. and like kind of like basically because even though like Justine is in college, um, I think that in the early in the movie, like she's presented as like being much younger than what we would typically p- picture a college age person, like possibly maybe skipping a grade or two um, or maybe because like she's been so under her mom in particular's thumb that she Mm -hmm. presents as like much much younger than you would associate with um so that's another like really neat thing they're talking about kind of like embracing it and to me one of the things that stood out which i don't know if it's super obvious but the cocktail dress Mm -hmm. it makes three appearances in this movie and the first time it's like an element of shame like she is forced to wear it because like one of the elders tells her like you have to wear this um and it doesn't fit her right she doesn't really feel comfortable in it the second time she's wearing it is that scene where she's kind of like really like feeling herself like she's listening to that really explicit rap song she's trying on makeup like she's kissing the mirror like she's like feeling out who she is and kind of discovering it. And then when she realizes like her sister and her friend are in the next room, she immediately like retreats. Uh, and, and it's like in her, even her sister is like, Oh, are you losing weight? That looks like, you know, way sluttier on you than it does me and trying to shame her. And then the last time she wears it, like she's on the prowl, like she's out, she's at that huge party and I love the way it's framed. Like she's sitting there, leg, like one hand and one knee. The other leg is just kind of like bent out. And she has this look on her eyes. She's survey. She's like a lioness, like surveying this whole fucked up orgy going on around her. And she's like, I'm going to have my pick when, and it doesn't really go that way for her. But like at that moment, you, that to me is like when she, comes closest to like feeling like who she really is i don't know if that makes sense but yeah no it makes perfect sense well and i think like when you bring up like being under her mom's thumb and stuff you know in this movie it's done under the guise of spoilers because at the end you you find out that this is like a genetic Mm -hmm. thing it's the mom the sister now her and i think that that kind of is like kind of like a metaphor for like how you know when we're growing up our mothers always tell us keep your knees together don't you know don't put yourself into situations mm-hmm. and it's because of their experience like they maybe have had something and I think that that's like why her mom keeps her under her thumb is because she's hoping that maybe by making her a vegetarian, she won't turn into a cannibal yeah. too like that's why the you know and the dad even says when they put the dog down, you know, once you get a taste for meat, 
you the dog gets a taste for human flesh, they can never go back. They always want it. And so I think there's like a lot of this like alluding to this end game, as it were, of, you know, why they're stopping her from eating meat and why they don't want her to get a taste for Mm -hmm. whatever it is, you know. And I mean, that's that's kind of, you know, metaphor for how parents treat their kids when it comes to sex. Like, don't do it when you're young because you'll Mm -hmm. you'll get a taste and you'll get a rep and, you know. And I, I think it also, like, a little bit is, like, more of a, like, metaphor also for, like, drugs in this movie, too. Mm-hmm. Because she she clearly goes through withdrawals. Or it's not even, maybe not even drugs, but addiction in general. Mm-hmm. You know, they, this there's a lot of addiction in this. And not being able to control yourself or not wanting to control yourself. Yeah. And so, you know, I think this movie has a lot of different themes that it really hits on with that. Yeah. I'd agree. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that eat your veggies moment. Woo. Yeah. It's also like, it happens in a quick beat. Like, yeah, anyway, I do love the cocktail dress. Just, I'm still thinking about it. I do think it's such a cool through line that shows the three different ways that she mm-hmm. wears it. Um, and that scene of her looking in the mirror and getting ready is so good. And that rap song is so ridiculous. It really is. It's so vulgar. I actually meant to look up what it was. Um, I will do that. But I was like, oh my, I love when it's just like, fuck 69. I want 666. Yep. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I want that etched on my tombstone. Yeah. Well, I was like, is it too early to get a tattoo of that? Like, I don't, um, is this a fleeting love? Cause I was like, oh. well, and it's also interesting that the first time she puts on that dress, she's wearing clothes under it. Like yeah. she is Good not point. secure with herself at mm-hmm. all. She's wearing yeah socks with her high heels she's wearing blue jeans under it she's wearing like a long sleeve shirt under it like so she's literally not showing any like she doesn't want to show any skin with it it's a costume at that point that she's Mm -hmm. like wearing over her clothes but she's being forced to wear it too like she's being told Mm -hmm. like you need to wear this by so like what she she feels her elder the other thing the mom says to her besides like eat your veggies and i'm gonna admit like sarah's are the one who set me straight i thought that like the elder daughter and dad were having an incestuous affair so that's why i didn't realize it was the mom that was the first cannibal i thought it was like alex so because you're like what incest are you talking about i'm like you know the dad and the older sister to like, no, dude it was the mom and i'm like oh that makes a lot more sense and you're like oh thank god <laughs> you know, thank god because I'm like, I thought they just threw incest in at the last minute, and I was feeling really weird about it. Okay. Yeah, I, I looked at those notes, and I was like, yep. I just watched yep. this. Did I miss something? Am I? <laughs> am I? So did Did Game of Thrones desensitize yep. me to incest? Like, did I'm I just playing, like? Did I just let it go? <laughs> oh, so the other thing the mom says to her is like, "Don't leave the table until you finish." And to me, it was like this really infantilizing thing to say, like mm-hmm. her daughter and her daughter had just gone and like she was living independently at school. uh, And she was like, by the end of this movie, like really fierce. And then all of a sudden, once again, it's like, she's back home and under the thumb of like mom and dad again. And she's already reverted back to like that kind of more childlike um, state that she was in before she left. And I think we had talked about this before, Lindsay, like when we are at our parents' houses, we kind of automatically 
go back to that state in some ways. Uh, but this was like a real extreme. Yeah, you gave me a crisis two weeks ago. I am so, so I'm sorry. Still managing. Just so <laughs> I you am know. So sorry. <laughs> I was like, my voice changes. I'm like code switching, or I think. Oh no. Um. Yes. Do you have a bedtime? Is mom like it's eight thirty? Lights out. Time for bed. You know they wake me up in the morning. Do they? Yeah. <laughs> oh, on purpose? They say? Do they say rise and shine? No, my mom knows after like however many years I lived at home, 18, 17 years mm-hmm. of um, my brother. This is like not going to be funny. This is for a joke. This is a joke for one person. This would be funny. My older brother who doesn't listen to the show. Um, Why not? <laughs> well, maybe he, maybe he will. Um, is that like we do this like impression of how my mom mm-hmm. used to wake us up in high school because it was like the most annoying thing in the world or she'd be like, Jeff? Lance, you gonna get up? And it was just like the worst sound in the world. <laughs> I've got you beat. I've got you beat. My dad used to come into my room. Like this was not in high school. This was like when I was younger. And he used to sing the Mickey Mouse theme club theme song. He would he would literally open the door and be like, M I C and I'd be like, no, 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 yeah, no, no. That's, no, tor- that's torture. No, and then, and like... then he would shake my bed, the foot of my bed at the end of it. He'd be like, M-O-U-S. And I'd be like, you're going to die. Yeah. My dad used to pantomime like the bugle, like the thing they play in the morning in the like army. Reveille. Yeah. He would like do that with just with his mouth and pretend he was playing the bugle. And then he would like threaten to pour water on me. It would be an empty trash bucket with like Dixie cups in it, you know. So be yeah. like again, oh. this is a joke for one person. But um, first of all, my mom was like the most lovely woman in the world. My parents mm-hmm. like let me sleep in, which I know they're probably like, oh, she's an adult and she doesn't want to get out of bed till after nine. But they're truly the most lovely people in the world. But um, yeah, we used to joke. My my brother's wife, my sister in law, her mother is like very sunshiny. And not that my mom isn't sunshiny. She's just like, we make fun of her and act like she's like mean and callous. Like she really is not. She's the sunshiniest, nicest woman in the world. But um, like we'd like compare that like my mom would yell at us. And um, my sister-in-law's mom, who's British and like very sunny, would be like, Jennifer, it's a beautiful morning. Like come downstairs where we'd have like, Jeff, you can't get out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I grew up in a military household. It was oh. like, oh, you got to get up now. You got to get up. <laughs> Yeah. Like, like nothing sing songy about it. It was like, get up. Yeah, it was just like shrieking. We'd be like, Mom, my alarm is set for five minutes from now. Why did you wake me up early? Oh, man. <laughs> the worst. I was going to treasure oh. those five minutes in bed. Yeah, those are important five minutes, and I lost them too. You going to get up? Um, but yes. That's the worst. They make me coffee every morning. Um, very lovely and sweet and I wake the up worst. the sound of it beating. we are having a sleepover during tiff at Lindsay's parents house yeah. <laughs> listeners patrons right now patrons, if you hit if you... if you subscribe to the ten dollar level <laughs> that's gotta sleepover. be like the fifty dollar tier yeah we're gonna do a special no, fifty dollar tier fifty ten no, slots special, open no, a special we'll yeah thousand dollar thousand dollar tier we can sleep over at my parents house i'll make you coffee in the morning um, no, coffee that. comes with the fifteen hundred dollar. Right, correct, 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 correct. Love it. All yeah. right. Okay. Last thing I want dollar coffee. <laughs> Last thing I want. It's definitely not Dunks. Last thing I want to talk about with this movie is the weird relationship with Alex and Justine because it's mm-hmm. this very odd push pull where Alex 
at the start has like no respect for her sister, like really orders her almost as like, and understandably it's like bothered that her sister has kind of followed her here to school. And maybe in part because like Justine is considered like the brilliant student. And now Justine's like, great. People are going to ask why, you know, she's here. Then they seem to be much but closer, but Alex really revels in fucking with her sister in, mm-hmm. in some ways that are just like the whole, like bark, like a dog scene. That's like shames her. Like that's so fucked up. Yeah. That's mean. Really I think I think a lot of it is because Alex is literally like the family pariah. Like, think about this. They they have spent all their like the mother and father. They want their kids to be vegetarians mm-hmm. because of this thing. And the father clearly knows that Alex has an issue because she did something. Mm-hmm. So I would think that that means that the family has kept Alex and Justine apart you know, so that Alex can't influence Justine mm-hmm. and become like the bad influence. And I, I I think a lot of the animosity there is because of the parents, the way that the parents have sheltered them. And Alex is not under that thumb anymore. Right. But Justine still is. And Justine doesn't know why. Like Justine just sees my sister's, you know, the black sheep and, I don't know why, you know, and she kind of is trying to like, you know, she'll, she says to like, even her parents when, you know, just, or when Alex doesn't show up, she says like, oh, she'll be here. I'm sure she's coming. Mm -hmm. Like, she's still trying to defend her, but she doesn't understand why there's this like thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And then also like when the two of them fight with one another, that scene near the end where like Justine attacks Alex after she sees the video and they're going at it like really viciously biting one another. Like Alex bites a chunk of Justine's face off. Like, Holy shit. That's, I've had some fights with my younger sister, but like never to the point where like we bit one another's face off. Um, But as soon as like people try to interfere and like separate them and they, as soon as like they notice like the other is in trouble, they like, turn on their, their those people and like kind of start working together and it's just this really odd sibling dynamic it feels primal yeah. it feels very like you know like wolves or like you know some sort of like pack animal where mm-hmm. they they stay together but they fight with one another for mm-hmm. their place in the hierarchy sure and i so that's what like that was what i got from it was like mm-hmm. that it just felt really like primal yeah makes sense why it's okay why do you think alex kills adrian in the end i always figured it was like not even on purpose just couldn't control her hunger yeah i always Mm kind of just like thought exactly what justine thinks that she has done is what alex did Mm -hmm. and then she kind of comes like alex is almost like catatonic in that moment yeah like she's playing a game i think like she's conscious but she's like but i don't even know that she's playing she's just kind of like going through the motions because yeah like if you look at the screen it looks like it's on like a character select screen Mm -hmm. and so she's just like holding the controller like Like, in that like state i ate your bow do you think she (laughs) killed him like playing like that game with him like just lost and like stabbed him in the kidney like i don't quite 
Uh, I don't know. I still don't know the answer. I yeah. loved when Justine asks, why didn't you fight back? Yeah. Because that was like the first question that I had. Like, how did she accomplish this feat with him lying so comfortably in her bed? Mm -hmm. And what I didn't know, and I'm curious your reads, like the scene is very Godfather. Like the, she lifts up the sheets and is like, yeah. um, to the like, you know, horse head in her bed. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was like, wait, how did like, you know, this guy comfortably get into her bed like this without, and she says like, you know, why didn't you fight back? And then we see Alex don't really get an answer to that question. I don't know if it's because it was the two of them did it together. Isn't, um, aren't they in his bed? I think they're in his bed in the scene before they're like laying in bed together. Like they're right. just like cuddling. Mm -hmm. So, you know, presumably they fall asleep and Part of me wonders if it was jealousy, like Alex was jealous and hungry. Mm -hmm. Perhaps. Yeah. Like she doesn't want like anyone to have like any sort of like real relationship with her sister yeah. that could take it away from her. <laughs> that would make a lot more sense because I know when I watch this that like I'm like I couldn't get over him like if he if he's been eaten, he looks far too peaceful. For a guy that has had like major chunks of him eat, like I don't, I don't know what I would look like if somebody ate me to death, but I don't think I would look peacefully asleep. That's probably it, Lindsay. That look right there that you you gave right there. I'd be shocked at that point. I'm probably delicious, but like, um, it would probably be like look a shock. So maybe like he she killed him in his sleep, and that's why he looks so peaceful. So. Is your dog having a little nutty right now, Lindsay? He's fine. It's just He's a dog fine. outside. I, okay. I didn't. I didn't expect a jump scare. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> I just it caught me off guard, and I was I like, know, oh. I can't get to the mute button fast enough every time. But uh, yeah, ooh, guys, stick around for the jump scare in our, <laughs> our well-crafted right. show. So what? Um, yeah, that's it. You first. You first. No, I was gonna say, do we have any cues from the internet? Let's do it. Let's do we have any other thing, anything I'm missing or anything anyone wanted to go over before. Okay. So we got mostly comments from the Facebook group. Oh. Um, I had posted. What is this, there. a TIFF QA? Yep, 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 yep. This yep. is oh. actually a comment more than a question. <laughs> yes. What was your budget? I have a rule, like when I do Q and A's. I really you liked I... your movie. Um, and I just wanted to say, sorry. I just wanted to say thank you for making this movie. Thanks it for making a lot. it. Can you hear my pitch? <laughs> yes. yes. What advice do you have for aspiring filmmakers? Yeah. Yeah. We. What did you shoot on? I actually have a rule. <laughs> like when I do the Q and A's at Tell Your Ride, I'm like, look, I have two rules. Number one, know what you shot. What did you shoot on? And number two, <laughs> know what was your budget. I go. I will let you right now. Like if you ask that question. I will find you later on and kick you as hard as I can at the crotch. So none of those questions. And it seems to work. And I tell the audiences this and yeah. they keep having me come back. I have not had to kick anyone in the crotch yet okay. during the Q&A. So. Good so far. You so Toronto. there we go. Okay. Right. So from our friend Kelly Gredner from Spencers of Horror, um, I don't have a generalized thought. Oh, I oh, oh, here we go. Let me go back. I think I'm missing some here. Edit, edit, edit. Let's see. All comments. Okay, here we go. From our friend, Ario Power. And by the way, join our little Facebook group. Go to facebook.com slash group slash pod and the pendulum. 
Uh, it's a moderated group. We tend to be very kind, and I probably should post more stuff on there. But from our friend, Ario Powers Schwab, all I would say is don't pick on vegans too much. Sorry, Ariel. Vegan for 10 years. Again, sorry, Ariel. Grew up in a vegetarian home. Strike three, Ariel. I think, no, I kid. Ve vegans and vegetarians are lovely people. I have many vegan friends. They are lovely. There is a reason. We're not like a marginalized group. <laughs> you are not. You're not. You are not a marginalized <laughs> no. The oppressed. You are not the oppressed. <laughs> um, Let them eat greens. Yes. <laughs> oh. Anyway. <laughs> oh man i used to tease our old guitarist who's vegan i used to tease him about everything but like i would say like you know the, you know you never hear the phrase like, everyone who eats bacon is much happier you know just the phrase is jolly yeah. fat man it's so. it's like bro check out this crunch wrap yep oh man god oh, love bro. you steve we for steve we once made flyers for one of our shows and it was just him in profile with his hat and his lip ring and there's a close-up of him and we didn't even put anything on the flyer except see my band in huge block letters and then like the date and where the house the house show was at and we were handing him out in front of him at the show and he was and everyone was like i don't want to see this jerk off's band and we just thought that was the funniest fucking god we were merciless with god love him he's a much better man than i am anyway all right getting back to ariel's comment I think part of what Ra explores is making your own choices separate from your family of origin. Justine never got to think for herself about if she wanted to become vegetarian and we find out why, but when she has the choice, she goes hard in the other direction. It's a very fresh take and a coming of age coming into your own story. Arielle, it's almost like you listened to the show before you even asked the question. I love that take. You're absolutely spot on. Um, from our friend Kelly Gredner, who runs Spinsters of Horror. Uh, and is I don't, a vegan. Yes, and is a vegan. I also don't have generalized thoughts on the ethics and philosophy of veganism. It is very important to me. Okay. Oh, you know. I, I, skipped the, I skipped ahead. Fair enough, you know. Um, and that uh, she also says that foreign horror is fascinating as they give us their interpretation of horror and the culture, uh, which I love. Uh, Ra definitely tackles some taboo subject matter which i appreciate extreme horror is subversive and confronting and i love it for that absolutely uh, my personal friend georgia young who i've known for a number of years uh is comes on to say this movie is extremely horny and i love it absolutely yes um, and yep i would absolutely <laughs> agree like give me the mic movie. yes yes we, yes <laughs> extremely horny this like movie... it's cronenberg-esque in yes. how horny it is yes this movie is 100% down to fuck. The DTF uh, film. It is absolutely. It, it is rated DTF. That's not a good joke. It's not my it's best. Like, I, I like it's, that joke. It's pretty We're good. Okay. It's, it's like a, a four pretty out of ten. I had to. I had to like double check my cover just now to yeah. make sure it didn't say DTF on the cover. This is. <laughs> this might be the horniest movie we've done since the Lost Boys. I think that we have to go like way back to. That's another movie that's wicked down to fuck. I mean, come Louis on. Movie's horny as hell. You oh, guys absolutely. need to do Crash. That movie is crash? Okay. horny as hell. 
We can do we a Canadian do horror month. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Super right. horny, super right. Canadian. <laughs> I owe it to you to do the next theme. So absolutely. Ooh, we could do a whole Cronenberg retrospective. We could. If you do a Canadian horror month, can you do Kathy's Curse? And can I come on that show? Because I love that movie. I think it's it would be so, you. It's so like badly good. We'd, it'd have to be you and we'd have to ask Brian Collins to join us again. Because he's beat the Kathy Curse drum for so many years. Listen, if you guys do do Crash, you're in. Know. Absolutely, that's all I'll say. <laughs> absolutely, Raina, you're absolutely in. We have ideas. You know, this is when we pitch the show, and this is yeah, when we come half up with our everything. show. Is like us preparing for the next one. It's really, super... it's show prep. It's really show prep to pad <laughs> that runtime. Uh, also, Georgia goes yeah. on to say, I also think it manages to be controversial in a way that's a lot more effective and interesting to me than Gaspar Noé's films. I can't exactly articulate why. Hmm. Hmm. That's a... Hmm. That's a hmm. I've <laughs> never seen a Gaspar Noé film, so I'm going to well. agree with you, Georgia. I'm down with that comment. I would agree 100% because I have nothing to compare it to. Okay. I think that is going to put Raw to bed. All right think so i managed to do it without making it like hey we're gonna talk about eddie murphy's raw and you know so yay oh yeah this is like <laughs> blink 182 once said i guess this is growing up okay <laughs> reina where can our listeners find you on the interwebs and what do you have to what if what should uh what let's try that again reina where can our listeners find you on the interwebs and tell us a little bit about horror in session. So you can find me at JFC Doomblade on Twitter and Instagram. Yes. That username is an Acacia strain reference. Mm-hmm. Um, I do run a horror podcast known as horror in session. You can find us at horror in session on Twitter. We are also available on Apple and Spotify. Um, pretty much it's me and my co-host who is entirely new to the horror genre. Uh, we have like a student teacher dynamic where mm-hmm. I assign her a movie to watch and then we deep dive it with guests. Um, basically I wanted to go out and create the like least gatekeepy like mm-hmm. podcast concept as possible. Excellent. And, we, and yeah, we've been pumping out a lot of content and as far as personal writing goes, you can always find me um, at screenqueens.com and bloodydisgusting.com. I got yeah. some more stuff lined up with them. Excellent. What was the genesis for like wanting to do that show with a friend? Um, had you been like giving her horror movies to watch? Like, hey, this is something we can kind of do together as friends. Like, So she, me and her got in touch because I'm actually also a pretty big Disney and Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> And so is she. Um, and she posted a photo of herself one day and she was wearing a shirt of John Carpenter's Halloween. And I was like, oh, you like Halloween also? And she's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's like the only horror movie I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hold up. <laughs> and so I pitched her the idea. And I feel like sometimes when you're so involved in the horror community, it's almost like this like vacuum, like echo chamber. Mm-hmm where it's like, oh, this movie's such a classic. And then I'll show her it, and she's like, oh, I've never heard of this movie in my entire yeah. life. So I felt like it was a way to like, like you can listen to our podcast, whether you're a horror expert or just tipping your toes into the genre. Mm-hmm. Like I want it to be a welcoming space yeah. and I want it to feel like 
you can know what we're talking about without having to do months and months of research yeah. or years of watching it. And it feels like a really wonderful thing to be introducing like a friend to something that you love and is so important to you for the first time and get their reaction, whether it's positive or negative, but like, it feels like sharing a bit of yourself and be able to do that and then bring it to an audience, like feels like a really wonderful thing. Exactly. Um, our Saw series coverage was really fun for that reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we're going we're gonna, to, I, I would say, I would probably say we're going to kick off 2022 with Saw. Oh my gosh. I think we need to. Um, I think we need to. I'm ready. Yeah, I think we're, that's, you know, I think you'll do whenever we, if I said we'll do it tomorrow, I'd be like, absolutely. But like, I have only watched three Saw movies. It's not a series for me. So, but I think we're going to need to get to it sooner than later. I think hot hot take Jigsaw is good. I love Jigsaw. I don't mind Jigsaw was great, but here's an even hotter take. I've I've got an even hotter take. Saw 3D is actually really good. I love it. Okay. I have a lot. I love it. I I can't. Like, if the remainder of my career was only Saw retrospectives, like, it would be fulsome. So, like, I'm going to just, I'm just going to call myself. No, so you're the bat bitch and the saw siren absolutely oh no i have to go change all my twitter accounts um <laughs> all my twitter accounts i don't know i was like halfway there but do you have alt accounts like do you have like no. 20 do you she have does do you <laughs> have <laughs> Not do you have smart. accounts like are you the, do you have like a fake account where you're harassing burner. me are you that yeah. person where you're a like hey, Snooty, and why don't you eat shit and i'm like i don't even know this person boston hardcore sucks yeah. it does. a lot of boston <laughs> hardcore does suck so i'd be like you're right you know me making fun of a account only for fun. it's funny it's a good bit no nope, i don't i have one because okay. i'm not okay. smart and i don't separate Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right. Um, saw great films. What about- <laughs> Sarah, where can we find you on the internet? I am all over the internet. Um, I have Spooky Sarah Says on Instagram and Twitter. That's like my main account. Then I have Geeks Who Eat, which is just Geeks Who Eat across the board, except the website is Two Geeks Who Eat because some jackass has our domain and has since we started and he was like i'm gonna create a good website didn't create a good website mm. um so it's two geeks who eat and then i um last september started final girls feast with carrie from witchy kitchen and she and i talk about food and horror and this podcast we started it off we we're like oh you know we'll just do like food horror movies like you know the stuff and stuff you know, movies like that where the food is the thing. And then the more we, like, started watching other movies, we were like, oh, there's a whole lot of food in this movie. Oh, wow. Okay. So what ended up happening is most of our episodes are actually not even movies that people would consider to be food horror. It's just movies that happen to have a lot of food in them. Mm-hmm. Our our freaky episode was, like, a blast to... When I told her about it, I watched it and I was like, there's a lot of food in this movie. And she's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, go watch it. And then she ended up watching it. And we both were like, wow, we have a lot of notes here. 
Willy's Wonderland, same mm-hmm. thing. You don't think that there's a lot of food in that one? Even the writer who we interviewed was like, I didn't realize that there was so much food in this movie, and I wrote it. Excellent. So, so you know, it, it ended up being a lot of fun, and we are just, you know, having a blast. But because I'm moving, everything is kind of on a hiatus right now, mm-hmm. where, because I just don't have time. And so, I mean, I, I lucked out. I literally, as we are recording, I closed today. And I didn't think we were closing until next week. So I was like, sure, I'll be on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. That, and that there's was... nothing more stressful than, like, closing on a home. It is, like, the least. Well, um, and especially right now because the real estate market is insane. Yeah. But I am also that bitch. I got my escrow to close in 30 days instead of 45 because mm-hmm. I wasn't waiting. I, I just literally pretty much just made my mortgage broker's life really, like, hellacious Good. in a nice way. And I was like, come on, we need to do this. Like, mm-hmm. I got to get out of my apartment. I don't want a week. Like, let's go. Come on. Mm-hmm. My lease is up. Let's do this. Excellent. You, you want to get paid. I want to get a house. I think this. we are all in agreement that this is beneficial to move it forward. Excellent. You made it happen. I love it. I love it. All right. Wow. I have nothing to plug this week. So you know where to find me, (laughs) pretty much. We're 107 episodes in. Like, if you don't know my shit by now, I mean, come on. How much do you have to? (laughs) You know? Okay. I do want to give a thank you, though, to two people right now. Mom and dad. Thanks for bringing. No, I want to thank two new patrons right now. Uh, thank you to John Atanas. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm going to try it again. John, I'm going to say it like bananas, but not even close. All right. I want to thank our two new patrons, John Atanas, who joined at the Michael level, which means he gets uh, access to our Slack and the free bonus episode every month. And also thank you at the Ripley level to Lizzie B. Thank you so much for signing on um that gets you our bonus episode every month as well as all our other content all the other odds and ends and the three up three down and hopefully soon some commentaries that we're going to do thank you to both john and lizzie like again i could not stress enough like how much like your patreon support goes to keeping this thing going to like getting us the movies to upgrading the equipment like uh, Raina, I was just looking at your mic earlier and I'm like, ooh, I actually want to upgrade my mic. And it's like, Patreon money, bitches. That's where that is going to come from. Yeah. We, you know, we we ended up doing uh, the sponsorship route rather than yeah. Patreon, but it's, mm-hmm. it's really nice when yeah. you're able to upgrade. Prior to that, I was just letting people like suck on my beard hair for like five bucks a pop. And you know, <laughs> that it was just a so little bit like country and... pushing. Yeah, it was like well, and then COVID weird. happened, and then it I became yeah. not sanitary, Definitely a little not risky. Sanitary. I so, had to trim my beard because my wife did have the tosh. Like I, you were more attractive when the beard was less full, and also when the dog wasn't eating the leftover food from it. So <laughs> probably, probably time. Soon. So I started horror in session with a rock band microphone. Yep. Oh, like, from the game. Yeah, from the video game. <laughs> Love mm-hmm. it. Fun fact, yes. those are great Logitech USB microphones. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> ingenuity. Yeah. Oh. So please, at some point along the way, there is a Patreon 
commercial for us in here. There are links in our bio. If you can kick even as little as two bucks a month to us, it goes such a huge way to keeping this going. Um, and you get a free bonus. And oh, we, we already recorded our bonus this month. It's our, it should be up by the time this comes up. We did The Guest, which and it was like probably one of the more fun movies I've gotten to talk about. Like it was such a fun episode. And honestly, if you don't like it, well, you can just choke on it. It's really much. You don't fun. like it. Yeah. Um, you have to pay twice your Patreon bucks. There you go. It's, it's Dan Stevens and bisexual lighting. That's yes. What I'm saying. Come on. That's what I say I'll give you a little teaser. Like I definitely said, if I were single, I would totally steal Dan <laughs> Stevens' photo in a bathrobe or a bath towel uh, and use that as my Tinder picture. So and then when I would go, when I would go to meet like my potential dates, I would be like, it's, it's on the inside that counts. That's how I feel on the inside. Yeah. Why are you judging me? And then um, it's Justine from Raw and she's like, yeah, it is on the inside oh. that counts. Oh my God. Oh. That would be a tasty meal for Justine. I was like, bye. How do I leave meeting? Um. All right. <laughs> what do we have? What movie are we doing next, Lindsay? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I believe we are. We are going to be ending our series on French horror with Inside. Oh, so, I knew it. I yes. knew it was, it was one of two. Did you? Oof. Did you know, though? Because you said I you didn't close. know. I knew so, it was one of two, and I got really nervous. You were nervous close. You didn't wrong. answer anything. How were you close? No, no. <laughs> I was close by saying I don't close. know. I was if close you said inside if I, out, if you would be close. You know? If <laughs> you had said inside out, okay, yeah, fair enough. Know. But I we're gonna end. Know. We're gonna end our series on inside one of the most fucked up movies that I have ever seen. So fucked up, I believe we conceived a baby the night we watched that movie. I am sure that's the night my daughter was conceived. Your eyes right now, Raina, you're like, what the fuck? You should not, but I am sure. Like you wanted kids after that movie? I know. Isn't that the crazy thing? You know? So I thought you were gonna say you wanted kids, period. Like why? Well that too. But... I mean that's that's where I was going with that. I was like None I'm of like you pe- are wrong. I'm so. like, people want kids. I know. Oh. It's weird. It's I, like... I don't know. My kid rules. I'm going to humble brag. It was parent teacher conference today, and I had to talk to my daughter's teacher. She's like, Your kid is so wonderful and smart and amazing, and all this. I'm like, Yep, bring it on. And I'm like, That's right. That's I right. love yeah. like um, our dinner. You know, like the rooms that apparently. I don't know. Sorry. Part of the best part of it being an elder millennial is like having no idea what Gen Z is making fun of us about. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like not on TikTok. So I don't know what they're making fun of, mm-hmm. but I heard that like a lot of the bit was that like, we never grew up, but I'm like the best part of our generation is we get to say things like my kid rules. Mm-hmm. Like what? I, anyway, just very interesting. Phrasing. <laughs> I <laughs> definitely am some generation X and I've right, said yeah. this before and I'll say it again. Like my, I'm 46. My dad died when he was 48. And sometimes I'll think like, hey, I better outlive him. Um, no, so I, so that would be nice. But I will think like, did my dad lie awake at night? And I actually asked my mom this. We went to visit her last week. I'm like, mom, did dad ever like lie awake at night and wake you up and go, what's a better horror movie, Anna? Like American Werewolf in London or The Howling? Like, did he, <laughs> did he ever wake up? He's like, no. Like, why? I'm like, Honestly, mom, that's the kind of stuff I wake my wife up with some nights. Like, I don't think my dad worried about the same level of bullshit. Like, 
why won't the Simpsons ever be as good during the Conan years? Like my dad just didn't care about stuff like that, you know. Listen, so, American American Werewolf is better than Halloween. It is. American Werewolf was my favorite movie of all time. So and the Simpsons movie. will never match those first ten seasons. They really won't. So there oh. we go. On that note, everyone, <laughs> thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Pod and Pendulum. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us. Your reviews go a long way to having people find our show. And when you leave a five-star review and uh, a few kind words, you feed my absolutely monstrous ego. Um, So I recommend you go ahead and do that. So we'll be back in two weeks to finalize French Horror with Inside. Have a great night.